When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman from Cleveland.com. But you know who we are because you guys listen every week. So let's dispense with the formalities. You love us. We love you. We're going to talk Ohio State assistant coaches in this version of the podcast. We're going to talk about two things. One is the assistant coaches that are here and the ones that have recently gone on. Who would be the best head coaches? We'll get into Tom Herman, Chris Ash, Luke Fickle just hired at Cincinnati. Don't know if you know this. Luke Fickle actually was the head coach at Ohio State. I don't know if people realize that. I don't know if you remember at all. Jim Tressel, who is a former Buckeye coach, was forced to resign. Again, this is a while ago. And Luke Fickle took over. And some say, some say that he learned from that. And that helped make it. Now, that's a controversial opinion. Not everyone's going to agree. But anyway, we're going to get deep into all this stuff. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about replacing Luke Fickle, the way they've replaced other guys who have left, like Chris Ash and Tom Herman, the effect of all these moves on Ohio State, because here's a tidbit. Three guys left from Urban Meyer's original nine hires on the assistant coaching staff. So thanks again for coming back. Again, we're going to try to hit you with multiple podcasts in the lead-up to the Fiesta Bowl on December 31st. Uh, so the first question, just to run through this a little bit, we only wrote about 15 stories about Luke's hiring at Cincinnati when it happened. But Bill Landis, if you were to uh, give your little mini breakdown of this, what do you think Luke Fickle will be like as the head coach at Cincinnati? Uh, I think it's – is it the perfect landing spot? Is like, that too strong to, to put it that way? I have questions, and I think Ari has questions too about just how good Cincinnati can be in this world where Ohio State is dominant and always has been dominant. But if there's a guy out there, I think, who can recruit Ohio the way that Cincinnati needs to recruit Ohio, and that means like keeping Kentucky and Michigan State and some of these other Big Ten programs from taking the second and third tier Ohio guys that, that normally go to those Big Ten programs, I think it's Luke Fickle. I think his name carries weight in this state. Um I'm not quite sure how much, but but certainly more weight than a guy like Tommy Tuberville, who he's replacing, uh, carried. Um, I think he'll be fine, certainly from a defensive coaching standpoint. He seems to have an idea of what he wants to do offensively, and I think it all comes down to recruiting, and he's done a great job recruiting at Ohio State. I don't doubt that he can do the same at Cincinnati. I don't know anything about Tommy Tuberville's tenure, so I'm going to start off by saying that. But I feel like Cincinnati is a really good job for young first-time or early head coaches that want to prove themselves. And then we've seen people be successful there, obviously, with Brian Kelly and Mark D'Antonio. And I think that for Luke Fickle... Butch Jones. Butch mm-hmm. Jones. And you know this, Doug, because Doug is the Luke Fickle expert. But Luke has been wanting to be a head coach for a long time. Being in-state, he was going to be picky about where he was going to go. I don't think he was going to ever take any job because, as you wrote... He felt so blessed to be in the position to be making as much as he did at Ohio State. So for him to take this job, I think he had to understand that this is in-state. There's a place that there could be an infrastructure to find some success, and it has been a launching point for some very successful head coaches. Now, the mistake that we made, and Bill and I went to uh, Cincinnati 
to cover Cincinnati-Houston game at the beginning of this season when the Big 12 talk was still happening. And I wrote a story, and part of the idea was that could Cincinnati ever have half of the biggest college football games in the state of Ohio every year because Ohio State was playing a Big 10 schedule. And there's a chance that in the Big 12, Texas, Oklahoma, and at the time, Houston could be coming to Cincinnati three times a year. I don't think that Cincinnati will ever, ever take a dent into what Ohio State is going to do. And I think that's fine. I think Cincinnati has a very good chance to take the second-tier players in the state. I think Luke Fickle's in a situation where he can bring those guys in, and I think that the one thing that we wrote was, or I wrote, was that you know, in his time at Ohio State, he has shown a very strong track record in being able to identify talents that aren't necessarily highly rated and turn them into really successful players. And at Cincinnati, I think that's going to be his formula. And I think he does have a chance to really do some things there. And it's kind of a good spot for him being an Ohio guy who has the Ohio State brand behind him. And it's going to be a good spot for him, I think. I have a very specific question to ask of you guys in the second half of this podcast. So make sure you listen all the way through, because that's when we're going to get into Ohio State replacing Luke Fickle and how they replace all these assistant coaches, how they replace Tom Herman, how they replace Chris Ash. Um, Because I think there's something, and I think you got at this a little bit already with the recruiting thing. I think there's a very specific thing where Ohio State, if they're not careful, could lose something significant possibly with the departure of Luke Fickle. But we'll wait to the second half of the podcast for that. Uh, I do think um, Luke might be a little different at Cincinnati. Mark D'Antonio, it's funny. Mark D'Antonio, I mean, that's the comparison, right? I mean, when I wrote the story before all this went down about Luke wanting to be a head coach, I sat down with Luke and his wife in August and talked about that. Um, I always thought there were three places that were his best landing spots in terms of being close to Ohio, being uh, sort of a cultural fit, and being a good enough job for him to want to leave. I thought that was Pitt, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. Um, And then if you want to get into the middle of the pack Big Ten schools, I think they all would have been there too. I think he would have taken the Rutgers job. I think he would have taken the Maryland job. I think he would have taken the Illinois job. Jobs like that. Not that he was ever in the mix for those, but, you know, I don't think he's going to leave for a Mac job. Um, But I think Luke might be there a while. D'Antonio, I think you would look at, if you just tried to remember, D'Antonio left. That was his first head coaching job, as you mentioned, Ari. He left Ohio State as his defensive coordinator after the 2003 season, was a national championship defensive coordinator here, went to Cincinnati, and you would say, wow, that was a great hire for Cincinnati. And then he used that job to jump to Michigan State. He was not that great at Cincinnati. Now, it's not all about win and loss record, but I think he was 18 and 17 there. He he wasn't winning. I didn't even realize that, yeah. You know, Brian Kelly is the guy who came in after Mark D'Antonio, and I think he built on the foundation that D'Antonio established, and like Brian Kelly was the guy who almost got Cincinnati into the national title game yeah. that year, and who ended up playing Florida in the Sugar Bowl. And then Butch Jones continued on that and got the Tennessee job off of that. So when you look at Cincinnati, Tuberville was a recycle hire. He was a guy on the way down. Yeah, he um, was. But D'Antonio, Kelly, and Butch Jones were three straight guys they had there who were on the way up. When you send those coaches on from Cincinnati to Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Tennessee – you're doing something right. So I think on one hand, a place like Cincinnati, you want to try to establish something, but the reality is if the guy's good, he's going to leave. I think Luke will stay longer than some of those guys did. I I just mentioned this. um, It just came out that Lane Kiffin, right before we recorded this, that Lane Kiffin got the Florida Atlantic job. In 2019, Ohio State's first two games were against Florida Atlantic and Cincinnati. 
So they could open the season against Lane Kiffin and Luke Fickle, which is really interesting. Three years from now, quick yes or no answer, will Lane Kiffin be the head coach at Florida Atlantic for the 2019 season? Will Lane Kiffin be at Florida Atlantic for his third season? Bill, yes or no? No. No. Okay. I'm probably no. Will Luke Fickle be at Cincinnati for year three? Bill. Yes. Ari. Yeah. I would say yes. I think Luke Fickle's in a spot where I said I think there's only in the Big Ten there's only three jobs he would leave Cincinnati for. Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State. And I only say that because I think Luke Fickle's enough of a Buckeye. I don't think he would yeah. take the Michigan job. I think I'm like, by that. <laughs> like, I don't know how you can play. I mean, the thing when I wrote the thing about Luke is like he's the biggest, he's the most Buckeye-ish Buckeye ever. He played for him, was a grad assistant, was an assistant, was the head coach, and went back to being an assistant. How could you be the coach at Michigan? I've got an interesting 30-second story about this Okay, because I never oh, wrote yeah. it. I never put it up on the internet. But when we – Bill and I went to Detroit um, in November um, to do some reporting on the Ohio State-Michigan game and recruiting. We went to Ann Arbor Pioneer, which was the high school of the former Ohio State linebacker commit Antoine Simmons. Luke Fickle was the main recruiter or one of the main recruiters along with Harry Combs. Um, and Antoine Simmons says that when Luke Fickle came up to Ann Arbor that he did not realize before he got to the high school how close it was to Michigan Stadium and that he was visibly uncomfortable being in the high school and said he had to leave. Really? Now, obviously, as an adult man, I would hope that Luke Fickle could hold it together because <laughs> he's not allergic. <laughs> but I thought that that was funny, and it just didn't fit in the story I wrote, but I think that there is a – having played in the rivalry and having lost tough games in the rivalry, having won – Tough games on Ohio State, I don't think it is possible. And I thought that that was just kind of an interesting little side note that we wanted to get on the internet somehow. Yeah, no, that is interesting. That is interesting. So, I mean, we're jumping way ahead, but I guess my main point is I could see Luke Fickle succeeding there. I think he does have things in place recruiting-wise. Um, I think the only question that some people had, and there's a guy that I know who I'm friends with on Facebook, and he's a big Ohio State fan, and um, – he put in a comment after I put up the original Fickle story or the story about Fickle leaving was up there. And he said, like, he hasn't been this excited since the walrus left, which is what some fans refer to Jim Bowman as, the former Ohio State offensive coordinator under Jim Tressel, who is now the co-offensive coordinator at Michigan State. And I thought that was an odd thing. And I think if you are a fan who – Luke Fickle has not always been the most popular assistant during his time here. But I think if you lump Luke Fickle in with Jim Bowman, I think you're wrong. Like, do you know what I'm saying, Ari? Like, do you oh, think yeah, that's yeah. fair? Like, that, that's the kind of coach that Luke Fickle is or that – I mean, Jim Bowman, we're not going to get into that. A lot of people weren't thrilled with Jim Bowman here. I think Jim Bowman was basically Jim Tressel's right-hand man. When Jim Tressel was forced to resign and Bowman was the sole offensive coordinator, there were problems. But I don't think that's what Luke Fickle is. I feel like, first of all, before we go down the loop, calling Jim Bowman a walrus is just, like, mean. Yeah, it's it's silly and it's stupid. stupid. It's a thing that some fans say. I mean, like, yeah. whatever. Fans are fans. I just wanted to say that because it's always bothered me for some reason. Yeah. But, no, I don't believe that. And I think that there have been times. I think fire fickle has been a thing. It has been. It has been a thing. Um, but there's also that picture of Urban Meyer hugging him from behind as they beat a few teams in the playoff two years ago. And I think that you would be a fool to not – I mean, didn't he kind of get a, a lot of uh, flack from fans for some of the secondary issues that they had 
wasn't he kind of like the main target of that a few years ago? And I, and I, I guess the point here is that like I think that he's done more good for this defense and has been responsible for more development and more success than he's ever been um, responsible for things going wrong. And to give him the stigma of not being successful or glad to lose him, I think is completely off base. I think we had a hard time here with Luke Fickle because he was always the co-coordinator. I think we had a lot of trouble figuring out figuring what out was who was really yeah. in charge. And I think it wound up a lot of the times when the defense was good, Luke Fickle didn't get a lot of credit. And when the defense was bad, there was a lot aimed at him. I mean, I think in the end... He had a lot of say in this. I think he had a lot of say. And he's the guy on the field who's making, I think, a lot of adjustments during the game and that kind of thing. He was always the coordinator on the field. Um, but I don't think he ever was in charge of the coverages. I think the defense maybe is more divided up than, than people realize in terms of if Luke is saying this is a down to blitz, this is a, la- a down to put in our nickel package, this is a down where we're going to put in the Rushman package or we're going to, you know, that kind of thing. I don't think Luke was ever in charge of saying, what is our coverage scheme? Are we playing cover two or are we playing press man? Because that was always more been too, yeah. the co-guy who was the secondary guy. And there's always been a lot of personalities on this defense. And I always found it interesting that like he was the one that people defaulted to. And I always feel like at times too when somebody has a name that's familiar to fans that it's more of a trend than it is a reality. And I feel like Luke Fickle's name was familiar to people. So who do you blame when the defense is not playing well? That's a too broad of a statement, and it's too broad of an assumption to always put it on Fickle, but I think there's a familiarity and comfort with his name that people kind of fell back on. There are too many personalities on this defense to assume that any one person is responsible for any one thing. Yeah. And I think that the things that he has been responsible for, which are the linebackers for the most part, have been pretty successful. Yeah, I was going to say, like, look at the, the, and you guys have been covering the team longer than I have, but look at the individual linebackers that this program has produced. And granted, they come in as very good football players, but I think he has a hand in their development. Even like the guys I know recently from covering the team, like Darren Lee and Raquan McMillan and Joshua Perry and those guys. But even before that, right, he was the linebackers coach when like Bobby Carpenter was playing, right? Bobby Carpenter and AJ Hawk. Hawk and James Laurinaitis and Marcus Freeman and Ryan Chase. He's had more better linebackers Ryan than any Roll. other position in this Right, team. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think if you want to be critical of his game day decision making, I guess that's easy to pick apart a little bit. But I don't way, know why in my head I just felt like talent matters. when they blew the coverage at Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game three years ago, when they lost uh, Christian Bryant, that he was kind of the fall guy in a lot of people's minds. I don't know if I'm misremembering that, but I think that yeah. that's off base. No, and it's one of those, if you really look at the defense, I mean, they've been ranked in the top 10 constantly during his whole tenure here from 2002 on. I mean, the one thing that, and again, I had a lot of stuff with Luke. I couldn't get into everything. The one thing I think was interesting, and when I was making some points during the playoff about my opinion that Penn State should have been a playoff team, and they had some linebacker injuries early on, and they were missing two key guys if they got back for the Ohio State game. Ohio State lost a starting linebacker the first week of the year that I had predicted would lead the team in tackles. And the guy they put in was maybe better. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into this, but in Luke Fickle's unit room, he lost a sure thing starter that people had been counting on in Dante Booker. And Jerome Baker came in after playing not that much last year as a true freshman. And Jerome Baker had what? A very good year. A great year. Second on the team in tackles, I believe. Yeah. Like made influential plays in big time games. Was ready. Was not, you know, was 
And so that is, I think, Jerome Baker, as a true fresh, uh, true sophomore, deserves a lot of credit for that. I also think his position coach deserves some credit for that. So I think that's the kind of thing that happened a lot with the linebackers and Luke Fickle's tenure here. I think so. I think he'll be good because I think he'll recruit Ohio. I think the point you made already is this: how good? Who? Let me ask you both of this. I think we've come to the idea that whoever gets the second best kids in Ohio can be a really good team. Yeah. And I think lately that's been Michigan State. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Can Luke Fickle and Cincinnati eat into that? Do you think two or three years from now, the kids who are hoping for Ohio State offers and don't get them, where will they go? Is it possible that they will go to Cincinnati instead of Michigan State or Illinois or Penn State? We're talking about else? kids like Justin Lane. And we're talking about right. kids LJ like Scott. LJ Scott. You know who might not get – any more Ohio kids? Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky definitely because it's like geographically it makes a little more sense. I, I guess I have some questions as to whether or not Luke Fickle um, – I don't doubt that he could recruit Southwest Ohio and, and probably do it pretty well. I don't know if you're going to get a kid from Cleveland to go to Cincinnati. I think there is a little bit of a disconnect between the, those two sections of the state. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe if there is one, Fickle can sort of bridge it a little bit. I but, don't ever – I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, but I, I just – I think – if you split the state in half, the western side of the state, I think, is perfectly fair game for Luke Fickle. The eastern side of the state, from Columbus east, I think he might have a little bit of trouble getting those guys. Yeah, I think I think, I think that's fair. Northeast Ohio, I think, yeah. is a different bird. I think Luke Fickle should be able to get Cincinnati kids to stay home, and I think he might recruit Columbus really well. Yeah, which if you do those two things, you're building a good football And team. here's the thing I want to ask you guys, and I wrote this uh, the day he got hired, about like the Darren Lee-type player. He's wait, gonna, wait, 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 wait. Okay, you're talking about bringing that Darren Lee-type player to Cincinnati. Right, right. but okay. like what I'm trying to ask you guys is he's gotten a lot of credit for bringing Darren Lee-type player like one a year that didn't have a lot of scholarship offers, who's a three-star fringe guy who ends up turning into a beast. And maybe Malik Harrison on this year's team will do it. Maybe Brendan White will do it. Um, and these are all Luke Fickle people. You think that he is the reason those guys are here, correct? It seems to be that's the storyline, that – he is the guy who might fight for the three-star Ohio kid to get a spot here. Yeah, it's not, of course they would want to come to Ohio State. It's whether or not Ohio State would look at them, and the reason they're looking at them is because of football. Right, so now the, the, the thing that I don't think is going to happen, and I think I made a mistake, but when we went down to Cincinnati and I wrote that story of Cincinnati could rival Ohio State with some big-time games, we'll never know because they didn't get into the Big 12, but I think I might have been wrong in thinking they could. And I don't think that Cincinnati – is ever going to beat out Michigan State for a four-star kid that doesn't have room in Ohio State's class. I still think that Michigan State is two or three steps ahead, but what I do think Fickle can do is he can find the three-star prospect that is no longer going to be either A, recognized by Ohio State, or B, have room for those guys because of the way that they're recruiting. They do not have room this year for a Darren Lee. And I don't know if that's too... too to, to say there's a first-round draft pick that's a three-star kid in Ohio every year might be too much. But I think if he can get Darren Lee-type players, and I just use him as an example, four or five times a year out of Columbus, which is going to be a very interesting recruiting hotbed because Ohio State's probably on one hand taken. I can count on one hand how many Columbus kids they've taken in Urban Meyer's time here. And max out on the Cincinnati kids that aren't going to Notre Dame and Ohio State, I think he can put together a very good 
um, you know, recruiting class, and it's going to be based on somebody who knows the state like the back of their hand. And I agree with you, Bill. I don't think he's going to be going up to to the Cleveland schools and taking the four star kids that Michigan State wants. But I do think that with a good tactical research and a plan that kind of gives him an idea of who are those fringe guys that can turn out to be studs, I think he can bring some really good, talented players in Cincinnati that there aren't room for at Michigan State or Ohio State. I, I think he can beat Michigan State for kids. Lower. In the middle part of the state and south, I think he can prevent. I don't think Kentucky might not get another kid out of Ohio for five years. Who's the Who's the tight end that Ohio State was dancing with? Yeah, and went to Kentucky. That kid's going to Cincinnati. Well, he's a Northeast Ohio kid too. But, but he went to Kentucky. So the one thing that yeah, I do yeah, wonder. Yeah. The one thing I do wonder, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong here, but Michigan State has kind of a national persona now, doesn't it? A little bit. When I was been writing, I mean, they were in the playoff last year. They were in the playoff last year. They have beaten Ohio State more than any team in the last five years, and Kentucky is in the SEC. And I just wonder if there is a player that is going to be, let's say, his top three is Kentucky, Cincinnati, and Michigan State, and he's like a three and a half or four star kid. If Cincinnati is going to be able to beat them because they're not in a major conference. That's the only thing I, think, I wonder. I Can think, he overcome that? I think question. the American Athletic Conference might have a little more clout than we're willing to give it. I think it's clearly the sixth best conference. Yeah. It's not even close. I think the teams at the top of the ACC, or AAC, excuse me, are like not quite, obviously not as good as the best teams in all the other conferences, but would be like maybe top four, top five teams in some of these Power Five conferences. I think. No, I agree. Cincinnati, Houston, I mean, Navy just to some extent. I mean, Temple. Temple. You're talking about teams that win 10 games. Houston went to the Peach Bowl last year. I think that if a kid – and so many things go into recruiting. But yeah. if you're looking at Michigan State and thinking to yourself, well, Michigan State has to contend with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State every year, and those programs seem to be on the rise, and Michigan State just won three games. Um, I would give Cincinnati a, a hard look. Okay. Knowing that all you have to do is get past – Houston and maybe one or two other programs every year, and you're in contention for a New Year's. The point is, is that Fickle can recruit Ohio immeasurably better than Tommy Tuberville could. And here's the the other question. I think this is is the example. Tom Herman at Houston. The big example, he got a five-star kid to stay home, go to Houston, and that kid was an All-American as a freshman this year, right? Mm -hmm. Can Luke Fickle once a year beat Ohio State for a Cincinnati kid by telling that four-star, by telling Sam Hubbard, who's another good example from Cincinnati, Amir Reap, who's part of this 2017 class, right? Who's another Cincinnati example? Tommy Kramer, who went to Notre Dame. Adolphus Washington. Adolphus Washington. Can Tom, can Luke Fickle get Adolphus Washington to go to Cincinnati once a year, beat Ohio State for that kid with the, listen, man, Ohio State's great. I've been there. I'll tell you Ohio State's great. That's your state. This is your city. And I'll tell you what. You know what? I've been at Ohio State. It's a fantastic place. If you want to go there, go. When you get there, there's going to be six guys there just like you. If you come here, you are going to change this program. You are going to be a man that we are going to follow. And we will never forget you here. Your state needs you, but your but your city needs you. He almost wants to write that down. Your city needs you. You can't go wrong with either one of these choices, but I'm telling you, if you come with us, you will not regret it. Can he win that battle? I feel like Doug was looking in my eyes and trying to sell me. I think he, I think if Tom Herman, we were in Houston. Ari and I were in Houston after the after Ohio State won the national title. 
And I felt there was, and we were out there for 24 hours, so this is me making a huge leap, but I thought there was zero connection whatsoever from that city to that program. And I think you have a better chance of creating that kind of connection in a much smaller city granted than Cincinnati to the University of Cincinnati, as long as Luke Fickle has, is able to sell them something they can be proud of. I think civic pride is a real thing. And I, would, I, I think he might even have a better chance of doing that um, over the long term than maybe even Tom Herman did at Houston. Because I think Tom Herman was in Houston with down programs surrounding him. Um, and I don't know how sustainable that was if he was going to stay there. I don't know if he could do that year in and year out. I think Luke Fickle might have a better chance of doing that in Cincinnati. And I think Luke Fickle might be able to sell people on the idea that he's going to be there for a while. And maybe he'll, maybe he'll leave in two years when Mark D'Antonio retires and will take the Michigan State job and everybody will be fooled. I mean, coaches leave. But I would wonder at Cincinnati if there's any reluctance for kids to, th- you know, they're committed to the city, they're committed to the school. I'm going to, okay, I'll buy this pitch. But, man, you're going to be gone in three years. Just like Butch Jones was and Brian Kelly was and Mark D'Antonio was and whatever. But I've if got you a get an Ohio guy, he's not a Cincinnati guy, but he's an Ohio guy. If you get an Ohio guy who can sell the idea that come here and I'm going to be here for a while, I don't know. That could work. It's turned I, into the Luke Fickle podcast. Well, the thing I don't – I've got a strong opinion about it and I don't think he can. No one thinks he can because everyone thinks Ohio State's invincible. Well, the thing is is that we you mean were, You don't think he can beat any – a kid. Ohio State's he, only he lost like four State. kids out of Ohio they really wanted in five years, and it's all right. been to Notre Dame. So, like, right. do it once, and then we'll talk about it. Sure. But the thing that I thought was interesting, Bill and I, before we went to the Cincinnati-Houston game this year, we went to a high school, and we went to, uh, what was it, John Rodenberg? Moeller. Uh, Cincinnati Moeller. Archbishop Moeller, who's going to have a kid every year that Ohio State's recruiting. And he said that Cincinnati is a very fickle town, which is funny so, because so now it's – Fickles town. <laughs> but he said that the people show up and root for the team when they're good and people don't care when they're bad, which is sports, you know. But I don't know if Cincinnati has a connection to Cincinnati football. And I feel like it's been interesting because Cincinnati doesn't have a strong connection to Ohio, but like, doesn't Adolphus Washington feel like he stayed home? That's the whole thing when he went to Ohio State. And I don't know if the Ohio connection to play for the big-time program in Ohio and Ohio State could ever be outdone by the city school that no one cares about 80% of the time. But you did say, I mean, but the whole – you wrote stuff about how Ohio State had not succeeded in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. And that they reemphasized it with Urban Meyer and Kerry Combs. Of course, they have it. Of all the cities in Ohio, Ohio State has the toughest time recruiting Cincinnati. They don't have this issue in Toledo where Michigan's supposed to have a presence. They don't have this in Cleveland. And they don't have it in Dayton. They usually get the guys that they really want. In Cincinnati, there has been a Notre Dame feel, and there's been a Cincinnati feel. So, of course, it's completely different. But when you talk about Adolphus Washington, the guy that, like, Urban Meyer is, like, personally recruiting, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's possible they could get a kid over Ohio State. I don't know if they can get the kid over Ohio State, if you see the difference between those two. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... They're going to go head to head in a couple kids, though. I think I think Cincinnati will will go hard after, for the lack of a better word, second tier Ohio kids. But I think they will pick their spots and go hard head to head with Ohio State for the best kids in the city. And I think it's going to be interesting. And again, that might be a three way battle with Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Cincinnati for the kids from the Catholic high schools in Cincinnati. But I think Luke Fickle is going to try to get in on those battles and not just give them. And figure that Ohio State or Notre Dame is going to win that. I don't know how far we want to keep going down this road because <laughs> it's getting very specific, specific to fickle recruiting Cincinnati. Aeneas Hawkins. 
Is he a guy? Who's Aeneas Hopkins? Okay, so we I wrote about him, and we went down to his – he goes to Moeller. He goes to Moeller. His, his dad father played, played at Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Cincinnati's recruiting him. He went on a visit to Cincinnati the night that Houston was playing at, in Nippert Stadium, and he has a connection to Cincinnati. That is the type of kid, and I wrote it that day, that if they get into the Big 12 and they have a real situation – there, where they're playing in big games like that every year, that Aeneas Hawkins is the type of kid that Cincinnati could get over Ohio State. And, and Ohio State this. wants him, right? And Ohio State wants him. But Ohio State wants him, they don't need him. Kind of the way that – and that's yeah. the thing. I think they could get Hawkins, who's a three-star prospect right now, who has offers from Notre Dame and Ohio State and some guys. But Adolphus Washington was like the person Urban Meyer wanted before he even was officially hired. So I think there's a distinction between those two types of players. I think mm-hmm. it's possible. Like I said, Cincinnati could get a kid like that. I don't know if they could beat Ohio State for the kid. Okay. Luke Fickle is gone. Chris Ash just finished his first year at Rutgers. Tom Herman um, just finished his two-year run at Houston after leaving Ohio State and has been hired as the head coach at Texas. Um since we're talking about Ohio State assistants and being head coaches, uh, let's delve very quickly because there's a Rutgers podcast at NJ.com, which is our sister site in New Jersey that does a really good job of covering Rutgers. Um, you can go find it at NJ.com. I think it's called Rebuilding from the Ashes or something. From the Ashes, it's, yeah. It's a play on words with Chris Ash. Um, it's but. Good. I don't even know how to phrase the question, but in in the context of Luke Fickle going to be a head coach, what we saw Tom Herman do at Houston, and now he's the head coach at Texas, what happened with Chris Ash at Rutgers going 0-9 in the Big Ten, getting blown out by everybody good, compare Luke Fickle's prospects as a head coach to the prospects of Tom Herman and Chris Ash as a head coach, both maybe what you thought of those guys when they left Ohio State, and what you've maybe seen from afar from Chris Ash and Tom Herman. How does how does Luke Fickle work in there? Tom Herman did such a good job, he got the Texas job. Chris Ash just went 0-9, and, and his offensive coordinator just left him to go to Texas with Tom Herman. I think uh, from, a, from a success standpoint, I think Luke Fickle is certainly a better position to have success quicker than, than Chris Ash did. Um, I have like some pretty strong opinions on Chris Ash, and I think he like might have completely bundled his first season at Rutgers. I think he tr- bundled. Is that the right word? Bungled? Bungled. Bungled. Bungled, bungled. is like you're shopping right. for a Christmas bungled. bundle. Excuse me. Bungled. <laughs> um, I think he tried way too hard to be Urban Meyer. Like he basically took Ohio State and put it in New Jersey. Tom Herman went to Houston and took pieces of what Urban Meyer did, which is smart because he's the second best or best coach in college football. Of course you would do that. Chris Ash went to Rutgers and tried to make it Ohio State East and I think forced it. It didn't work in this first year. He forced his offense. He forced Urban Meyer's offense onto a team that didn't have the right players to run it, and they got ran off the field in every Big Ten game they played. They got destroyed by the four best teams in the Big Ten East. I think Chris Ash had good ideas about what he wanted to do in his first season as a head coach, and I think it kind of backfired on him. I don't think Luke Fickle is going to go full Urban Meyer at Cincinnati. I think Luke Fickle certainly respects Urban Meyer and will take some of the things he learned um, from working with Meyer as he starts his own thing at Cincinnati, but... um, I, I think he's better positioned, and maybe he saw what Ash did and saw, like, well, I can't do that because that didn't work. Um, so I, I think that Fickle is in a much better position than, than Chris Ash is, and I would compare him more to what Tom Herman did. And you can't do it again. You can't be Ohio State South in Ohio. But, like, the thing right. that is funny to me, and you said this, Doug, 
Fickle is not an Urban Meyer protege, and you've made this point before, and I'm going to let you talk about it, but he has been strongly influenced. Urban Meyer was the fourth person in his press conference that he, he thanked. I mean, he thanked Tressel first. He thanked Mark D'Antonio first. first yeah. Those are like his real root influences. And I think he saw – he's won a national championship with Urban Meyer, and he's seen what the Urban Meyer era and what it's all about can do. But he also won a national championship the Trussell way. And I think that he's going to take things from both. And I'll let you go in on this because this is kind of like your thing. But, like, Ash is like a Meyer protege more so than, than – He only like, worked for him for two years. I know, but, like – He, like, came to Urban Meyer coaching school and, like, forgot everything he learned before. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, yeah, maybe Chris Ash went to grad school at Ohio State <laughs> – and majored in Urban Meyer. If every, if anyone was going to be influenced by the Ohio State way, it's Luke Fickle. Luke, it's not Chris Ash. I don't but, know why Chris Ash did that. But like, but Luke Fickle's vision of the Ohio State way is not what Chris Ash didn't know the Trussell way, right? And like Fickle was groomed by it, so he learned things, and he's going to take things that Urban did. You know, I don't doubt that, but I don't think that what he is is Urban. He's more Trussell. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's obviously right. Um, I'll be very curious to see again what Luke takes. Will they do the black stripe where they, you know, when you're a freshman, you got to have your black stripe taken off? Will they have team meals where if you win, you get steak, and if you lose, you get a hot dog? I actually think that's one thing. I don't think Luke Fickle will do that. I think the Urban Meyer idea of, like, you reward winners, you rank everybody. There's, like, the blue level, the gold level, the red level. You're constantly being evaluated. Everything you do is constantly being evaluated. That is one way to coach in a very successful way, I don't think that's what Luke Fickle will do. Because I would not say that's how Jim Trussell did it. I would say Jim Trussell was more like, we love everybody. And and Urban Meyer is clearly like, we love everybody, but we have high expectations and we're going to recognize the people who meet our expectations and recognize the people who don't meet them. So I, I, I don't, I would, I would doubt maybe that Luke Fickle would be as much into the ranking system. That did Urban you guys Meyer watch the introductory press conference? Did not. I did, yeah. He said something about how we're not going to have goals, we're going to have objectives. That's an urban thing. And he did say everything that we do in this program is going to be judged and you're going to be held to, an, to a certain – you're going to be held accountable to a certain extent with everything that we do. And it sounded very urban to me. But I don't know if he's going to take every single thing that they do and rank it and reward you with fish – I like fish. <laughs> Pot roast. Filet, I mean, with the greatest meal you could have, a filet of fish <laughs> Fake ad. Best food. I think we've done... Have we done a filet of fish No, yeah. Well, if they have, then you got to... Part of advertising is reinforcement. It's <laughs> 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 just one ad once. you got to remind you that the best sandwich in fast food is the filet of fish <laughs> Anyway. My grandma loved the filet Yeah, so did my grandma. But is it not... Geared toward an older audience? I think it's audience? an older audience, but I enjoy it. Do millennials like filet of fish Put I am the only on the, person that doesn't. Put this up on the... Uh, Have you ever gone to somebody, to McDonald's or somebody your age, and they ordered a filet of fish No. I wasn't listening to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you zoned out. You I'm checking out of the filet of fish I think it's gross. The, you but, think it's gross? Yeah. But is it not is it not part of the thing with the filet of fish that the bun is part of the deal? Yeah, it's like a steamed bun. It's but great. isn't that one of the like whenever you read like the uh, clickbait things on the yeah. internet about secret menus? Yeah. Like, it's like, like get a Big Mac with the filet of fish bun. Yeah. yeah. You've done that? No, I always get the filet of fish with the filet of fish. <laughs> 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 Why mess with perfection? 
Uh, okay, but like what we were saying is, I don't know. yeah, I don't okay. Know. Anyway, this next has turned into the Luke Fickle podcast. We have other guys we want to talk about because we do think it's kind of interesting. And then again, we want to talk about the program we actually cover, which is Ohio State. Let's go a little shorter on this. Ed Warner. We've now seen three co-coordinators from Ohio State go on and take head jobs: uh, Tom Herman, Chris Ash, and Luke Fickle. Ed Warner wants to be a head coach. Um, I don't think that's in dispute. Um, Do we think Ed Warner has a shot um, to get a job? And and what do we think Ed Warner would be like? You know, Ed Warner's been uh, at Kansas. I think he's obviously influenced by his time there, influenced by his time at Notre Dame. He has some military background, probably influenced by his time at Army. Mm -hmm. Um, Ari, what... Should we be on alert, maybe, for Ed Warner to be gone after this season? And how would Ed Warner go about leading a team? Would not be shocked if he was gone. Would not be shocked if he returned. Um, I know that he, for a fact, that he has heard from or been a part of the Western Kentucky job talks. I don't know how much that's progressed. Um, And I know that he was also, like, mildly mentioned, like, in the Cincinnati job search and the Purdue job search. And I kind of feel like his name's always in the job search discussions every year, but I don't know for sure if it's ever serious. Like if you know, you know what I mean? The difference between being on the list and being in the office there. Um, I think that he is an interesting candidate because he has run a very successful offense at one of the most impressive college programs in the country at Ohio state, but he also has a track record of running a really good offense at Kansas and taking them to a BCS bowl, which was crazy to do. It's probably his best achievement in his career being the offensive coordinator at a Kansas team that went to the orange bowl. Um, but also having all these different things in his background, like an army and stuff. I think he's kind of been around the block a little bit. Um, as far as whether or not he's going to be gone this year, if I had to guess, I think he's going to be back. I mean, one of those, and I think his name came up a couple of years ago when the Kansas job was open. Yeah, because yeah. he he was again a link to the most successful time in recent Kansas football history, um, and then David Beatty, Beatty, who was a coordinator, I think, at one of the Texas schools, got that job. And te- Kansas has not done much, although they just beat Texas. Um, this year. <laughs> what happened? What's Kansas helped Tom Herman got a good <laughs> yeah. job. So, um, yeah, his it seems like his name comes up a lot. You know, there's one thing I always wonder about is, you know, do we really, you know, you don't really know these guys. You know, we talk to them in interview sessions and, and that kind of thing for the most part. But on some level, I subscribe to like the it factor quality yeah. of and that just from talking to somebody, you can get a little bit of a vibe of that. Um and Tom Herman had a lot of media people on his bandwagon, but he got hired and had had he's had a lot of media people on his bandwagon the whole way. Tom Herman, I think, to whatever degree, has some form of the it factor. Do you agree with that? A little charisma? Yeah. He has a lot of charisma. Not a little bit. I think that he, out of all the coaches that have recovered at Ohio State, I think that he might have been top, right? And, and In that category. Yeah. You know, and so, and Urban Meyer clearly has the it factor. Um, now, Jim Tressel, I don't think would you would say had the it factor in in a in a charisma way, but he had the it factor for what he was in terms of 
of being a guy that the players loved and trusted and played hard for and that the families loved, that kind of thing. So you can't always tell what a guy is like from the press conference. This is a long-winded question, Bill, but like when you think about Herman and Ash and Fickle and now Ed Warner as a candidate, how does Ed Warner fit into maybe the it factor category of how you would try to evaluate what he would be like as a head coach? Yeah, that's the biggest piece of it for me. I I don't think that not not having that – Precludes you from being a head coach. I think there are plenty of guys who are successful running "quote unquote" smaller programs without having a ton of personality. I think that's something that, and who knows what Ed Warner wants? I mean, maybe Ed Warner just wants to run his own program and that's it, and he doesn't have aspirations of being the head coach at Alabama. Um, but I think that at a certain point you hit a wall because you are who you are, personality wise. And like you said, we don't know him behind closed doors. We know him in media sessions, and maybe you're not showing your true colors then. But I feel like we have a pretty good read on him. And if you're not that, if you're not Mr. Personality, you're not out there all the time, I think you have to show without a doubt that you are an excellent X's and O's football coach. Um, And I think for a time he was doing that. And I think with the offensive struggles, and it's not just on Ed Warner, it's on everyone involved with the offensive coaching staff and it's involved with the players as well. But Ed Warner, I think, is a fall guy. Him and Tim Becker are a fall guy right now for Ohio State's offensive struggles. And I wonder how much that hurts him now because he doesn't have sort of the personality to make up for it, if that makes sense. You win the prize for mentioning Tim Beck's name first on this podcast. (laughs) I didn't want to be the guy who mentioned Tim Beck. Um, How can you get a head coaching job being somebody that people think should be fired? Yeah. Can you get that? Yeah, because fans don't know. Fans don't know. Right, right. No offense to fans. Right. He is somebody that people – nobody ever said fire Tom Herman. So, like, he is in that – I'm not saying that he deserves to be fired. I don't think he deserves to be fired, but I'm saying in in a situation where there are a good portion of the fan base who thinks he should be fired and demoted, it's kind of hard for the momentum train. It's it's hard um, because you can look at some stats about Ohio State football, and their stats look great. And then if you watch the offense function in some important games, you would look and say, wow, I would not deem that a fantastic offense. Yeah. So it depends what you're what you're looking at. Um, he could also point to too as this being an outlier. You, yeah. meant, you mentioned the success he had at Kansas. He was a run game coordinator at the championship run, and they ran all over everybody in those uh, three yeah. games. So if th- this has not been good this season, but I think he has enough of a track record, maybe that he can get past that and, too. And it's hard. I mean, I think undoubtedly everybody would agree Ed Warner is an excellent offensive line coach. Yes, just like Luke Fickle, I think undoubtedly was an excellent linebackers coach. But I think for guys like that, the whole thing is about that next step. While you're great in your room with your guys, with a group of 10 guys in the room, getting them to play well. But then can you lead a whole side of the ball? Then can you lead a whole program? And that's the thing. I think sometimes these guys who are great, truly great. I mean, Ed Warner, I think, is one of the best offensive line coaches in America I think the way the offensive line played the first couple of years here at Ohio State, I think you could argue he was the best offensive line coach in America. He's not coaching offensive line right now. He's coaching tight ends because he wants to lead an offense, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm sure he's not upset about that. I mean, he loves the offensive line guys, whatever, but he wants to do what's next. Um, so let's get to another guy about what's next. And this, well, this guy you could do a whole podcast on himself. The personality game, the it factor game, this guy wins that. Can you see Kerry Combs as a head coach? And we'll get into, again, later in this four-hour-long podcast, we'll get into what it meant for Ohio State to keep Kerry Combs and not lose him to Cincinnati, as there was some speculation about that. But what about Kerry Combs as a head coach one day? 
I have a guy that I would compare him to. I'll just oh. do it now. He's P.J. Fleck plus 20 years. Yeah, that's good. I mean, and P.J. Fleck, people are going gaga for P.J. Fleck. If you think P.J. Fleck, I mean, and he put the, the, the skins on the wall, 13-0 at Western Michigan. Yeah. This is not style over substance. 13-0 at Western Michigan is a whole lot of substance. But that guy's got a lot of style. And if you want someone to row your boat, I'll tell you what, Kerry Combs will row your boat or he'll pull your jet ski or do something. <laughs> he would get you a slogan and give your program a jolt of energy, right? Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, he would win the press conference. He would, yeah, he would bring so much energy. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated to know what it would look like. Um, he's been a great position coach, like we said, with all these guys. He's put cornerbacks in the NFL, first round picks the last few years. Um, I have no clue whatsoever what his desire is, if he wants to be a head coach or not, but. Um, and how old is he? He's he has white hair, so everybody thinks he's older. Seventy three. He is. I think he's fifty five. Okay, now, he might not even be that. Where? Right, let me. Where's my Google machine? You guys talk. I'll look at it. Either up. way, like I don't. Regardless, my point wasn't that he's like past the point of being able to be a head coach because I didn't think he was seventy years old. Um, no, I think he could do it. I think he has a personality to run it. I think he knows. I think enough. The question about it is whether he wants to. Right. I think he knows enough about football that even if he wasn't super comfortable putting together an offense, he knows the right people and has been around long enough. To surround himself with the right guys. Um, so I don't – I mean, I think he could recruit his ass off. I don't think there's anything he couldn't do as a head coach. Sorry, I cursed. I didn't mean to do that. It just came out. Landis just cursed. He he was um, – he was a tremendous high school coach Yeah, in Ohio. So he also has experience leading a program. And obviously there are differences there. But there are also similarities there. There are similarities to be the guy where the, the buck stops with you – um, the guy who is in charge of, of everything. I can't find his, how old he is. He's in his 50s. He's not that much older than Urban Meyer, even though he has white hair. Um, he's fast, too. He runs with the, the kick coverage team. You know, I, I think, and I've said, you know, he's such a Cincinnati guy um, and such an Ohio guy. You know, again, I don't think he's he... He's 54. He's 54. I don't think he would take the head job. I don't think that Kerry Combs would necessarily be that excited... To leave Ohio State to be the head coach at Miami, Troy, or something, but but Miami of Ohio, but like it, like a Mac school in Ohio. If I were a Mac school, I'd hire Kerry Combs. Yeah, if you're trying to get attention and you're trying to break through and you're trying to get people excited, because I think he has enough of a legit resume with how successful he was in high school with how important and successful he's been at Cincinnati and at Ohio State as an assistant coach, I would hire Kerry Combs. Um, I feel like this was like the second stage of his life where he basically did everything he could do as a high school coach and then was like, let me try something new. Um, he's a grandfather. You know, he's really obviously into his family. I don't know if he would want to go, you know, put all the work in that you're required to do to build a program. But, but I think he could be – Really interesting, and I think it's possible that, again, a guy at this stage in his career, I don't think he'd be a climber necessarily. I think you might be able to hire a guy like that, and if he succeeded at your school, I don't know that he'd be looking to leave. You know, So I, I think if he wants it, he'd be interesting. So let me transition for the last 14 minutes of this podcast to what it means for Ohio State with all this stuff. Here's a question I want to ask. How big of a deal was it for Ohio State to keep Kerry Combs? Because Urban Meyer announced that Kerry Combs is going to be a co-coordinator now. I would imagine he's going to get a bump in salary. There was enough smoke with some some reporters discussing that K- 
Kerry Combs might be going to Cincinnati with Luke Fickle. My guess, only a guess, is that Cincinnati and Luke Fickle wanted that to happen, and Ohio State persuaded him to stay with the title bump and maybe a money bump. How big a deal is it that Kerry Combs is at Ohio State and not in Cincinnati with Luke Fickle? Bill and I were discussing it. <clears throat> I don't even know how why he would want to do that. He likes Cincinnati. He loves Cincinnati. He grew up there. He coached there. He was an assistant at Cincinnati. He was a high school coach at Cincinnati. But like we said, I feel like him being at Ohio State is like what he wanted to do for his retirement. <clears throat> yeah, but again, I when you think about him, because I almost like said this to his face one time, and he was sort of like, listen, I'm not that old. Yeah. It's because he has white hair. And if Kerry Combs is listening, he knows he has white hair. <laughs> he 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 is so energetic. And alive, he's 12 years older than me and 4,000 times more fit. He's not an old guy at all, except he has white hair. So you think he's older than he is. But hasn't he kind of like inferred that? But but I don't – I think retirement is the wrong phraseology. I don't know. I think he has more ambition left. I think – maybe I'm – It's not like he's going on an iceberg and sailing into the ocean. That's yes, not what I'm trying to say. I think he has say. more think... ambition left than people may realize. Yeah. Okay. But I think it's a huge for Ohio State – to keep him here. That's the question. And we were talking about can Urban Meyer and have, would, would Urban Meyer maybe have more trouble in Cincinnati with certain types of prospects? Bring Kerry Combs to Cincinnati. That's when it gets really interesting. Because not only do you have Mr. I'm Ohio with every fiber of my being and fickle, you have the Cincinnati version on the same staff. The Cincinnati version that is also recruiting Cincinnati for Ohio State. So not only do you get that on your staff – at Cincinnati, then Ohio State has to replace that and send somebody to compete against the guy that they put in charge of that area. Not to mention that, don't forget how important he's been in Detroit. Kerry Combs has been an excellent coach when it comes to developing talent that's on the team. What he's done with the current cornerbacks, you can't deny it, right? No. But I think losing him would have been very difficult to replace from a recruiting standpoint. And the fact that they already took a hit with losing Fickle, who is a unique person in a recruiting situation, if they would have doubled down with the loss and, and had Kerry Combs go to that school, I think it would have been a lot harder for them to overcome. I think it's huge that they were able to hold on to him. And I think there's a reason why they're going to give him the bump and the money and the because they need him. Where would it have been a greater loss, in Michigan or in Cincinnati, in, their, in terms of Ohio State's recruiting? Man, that's tough, dude. I think in Cincinnati. I think I but, think in Cincinnati because he is Mr. Cincinnati. I think he's made a lot of inroads in Detroit, but then I think they could have hired somebody who's from Michigan. It's just interesting because there are better players in Detroit right now. Right. So But they're starting to lose that battle anyway, right? Yeah, no, I think that you always want to take care of your home state. Cincinnati's always been kind of an interesting thing, and the reason why they hired him in the first place is to make Cincinnati an emphasis. So that has shown how much Urban Meyer cares about Cincinnati. I think it, it, I would agree with Doug and say Cincinnati too. <clears throat> and and it, it, I call him one of the three guys left. So the three guys left from Urban Meyer's original staff in 2012 are Kerry Combs, Ed Warner, and Zach Smith. And Ed Warner has changed jobs from the offensive line coach to tight ends. But technically, Kerry Combs was actually not part of the original staff. Do you remember this, Ari? I'm looking this up right now. I wrote the story. I was looking at it the other day, and now I can't find it. They actually – Urban Meyer hired a different guy. I think his last name was Sheridan. And he was at Ohio State for like three weeks and then he left for a job with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then they hired Kerry Collins. I do not remember that. 
And it was like, oh my gosh, a guy who Urban Meyer hired, who was a veteran coach who'd been around a lot, his son was a quarterback at Michigan. I, I, I'm I'm losing it. Maybe it's not Sheridan. That's why I can't find it right now. Bill Sheridan? Bill Sheridan. He was uh, on Greg Schiano's coaching staff at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Okay, he left. Schiano must have... No, maybe that's, that wasn't. Schiano wasn't in Tampa yet. Anyway. 2012? Yeah, he was. He was... That was his last year. That was... Or his first year there. That was his first year? 2012, he was in Tampa, and Sheridan was his defensive coordinator. Okay, so so Shiano hired Sheridan away from Urban. Yeah. They're all in the little same friend mix then. So it was like, hey, now they need a guy. Now they got this guy from Cincinnati because Kerry Combs had been working at Cincinnati, the University of Cincinnati. He got a job at Cincinnati after being a high school coach in Cincinnati, and then he came to Ohio State. It was like, hey, this guy's coming. Is it Combs or Coombs? I remember thinking Coombs. that. And, <clears throat> and that turned out to be Kerry Combs. Like, I don't know how good Bill Sheridan is at his job. I can't imagine that he would have helped Ohio State any more than Kerry Combs has helped Ohio State in the last five years. So lots of changes, though, from 2012. Um, so here's the question. Are we getting to the point where it's getting hard for Urban Meyer? Do you think he will be able to replace Look Fickle and be fine? Or at Florida, one of the big things was he lost his first group of coaching guys that he knew so well. And then when he replaced them, he were, he didn't quite trust them as much. He took more on himself. That led to Urban Meyer burning out. I've written about that a million times. I've talked to people, Dan Mullen, Steve Adazio, the guys who were with him at Florida, who said that's not going to happen again. He learned from that. He's home now in Ohio. All the things everyone's written and said about Urban Meyer having better balance in his life. He didn't know Luke Fickle before he got here, but at Gene Smith's urging, he kept Luke Fickle, and Luke Fickle was an important part of the staff. Will Ohio State be able to replace Luke Fickle with no problem, or could you notice a hole here? Good. Did you have a, did you have a thought? Do you have a thought? I think it's going to be tough. <clears throat> I think so. It's interesting for me to think about. So, like, Ohio State hired Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer was a perfect hire to fall out of the sky for Ohio State. And when Ohio State had to replace a defensive coordinator, when it lost Chris Ash, who was so important for the for the improvement of that defense, who just happened to be sitting there was, like, one of Urban Meyer's best friends and Greg Schiano, who happened to be unemployed and happened to be one of the best defensive coaches out there. And it's not so much to take anything away from Urban Meyer, but that was a very easy decision as long as Greg Schiano was willing to take that job. Um, unless he has, like, a best friend out there who's an awesome linebackers coach – I think this becomes a little more difficult because we saw it when he had to replace Tom Herman, he whiffed. And I think it's possible he whiffs again. And by the way, when they had to replace Mike Vrabel on the defensive line, it was like, what are we going to do? It's like, oh, Larry Johnson, the longtime successful defensive line coach at Penn State, literally just left Penn State last week. Yeah. And is a great recruiter. And a great defensive line coach. And they they slid Larry Johnson in, in a day. Right. It was, again, an obvious, easy hire. So I don't know that there's an obvious. You made the list. There doesn't seem to be. Well, Charlie Strong would have been one, but right. I think people thought that that was never going to happen anyway, and obviously it's not happening now because Charlie Strong is the head coach of South Florida. I think replacing assistant coaches is a lot more difficult than we think it is, and I think Urban Meyer gets a little too much credit for the way he's done it because I think the hires he's made have been a little obvious and easy, and when he's had to make difficult hires when there wasn't an obvious choice, I don't think he's always made the right decision. Whiffed? Tim Beck? No, I know. I just like – I just – that was a, that I'm was not a, disagreeing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I'm not either. On on Tim Beck, he helped recruit Emory Jones, though, right? I mean, people have made some points about their quarterback recruiting has gone very well the past couple of years. I don't know was Tim Beck in on Tate Martell at all? 
I think that the position coach is always in on the okay. top position. And I don't quarterback. dispute Tim Beck's No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't I even disputing what you no, said. I'm just saying no, it would, not, yeah. yeah. But quarterback development, I think we all agree there's been a yeah. drop-off. So, again, I think there's two examples. You see the um, Ash left, they replaced him with Shiano. Uh, Vrabel left, they replaced him with Johnson. Great. Herman left, they replaced him with Beck. Not as great. You know, we can see there's ta- – and there is. There's tangible results, right? Well, I mean, he went, he went out and got Chris Ash, too, to give him credit for finding it. I know Chris Ash wanted to come to Ohio State, but Meyer went out and replaced Everett Withers, right, with Chris Ash? Yeah. 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 And, and didn't know really Chris Ash. Is Shiano overqualified for his job? Yes. Oh, for sure. So if he stays, is there something that he can do to slide him over into an increased role, make him the entire defensive it's coordinator? It's his defense, I think. Or is it already like that? I don't think it's already like No, that. I think it was him and Luke running it together, and now I think it's Shiano and he's running So, like, show. you need to find a linebacker's coach. You don't need to find a defensive coordinator. Yes. You have but a defensive I coordinator. I think you also – well, but he already – Combs is a co-coordinator now. So, I'm not right. even sure yeah. that, the, that this new linebacker's coach would have the option of having a yeah. coordinator title. So, you but need somebody thing, who knows Ohio probably, But, but right? the thing you also need to remember is how many years more years is Greg Shiano here? One, maybe. One. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if something – if some crazy – He might coach the LA Rams next year. It, seriously. I mean, like, yeah. it feels like stuff is winding down in the coaching carousel. I mean, I think Temple is still out there and Western Kentucky are the two college openings as we speak. But all it takes is a couple more – okay, is Greg Schiano be going to be the head coach of the LA Rams? Probably, Probably not. not. But what if – what if Power 5 coach X becomes the head coach of the LA Rams and mm-hmm. all of a sudden Greg Schiano is a co- candidate for that job? That yeah. is still out there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And so what what are you looking for then if you're Ohio State? You're looking for a guy with an Ohio ties who's very good at coaching linebackers who can step in and recruit. And I don't – I mean, Luke – Luke's big in Florida, right? Huge in Florida. Luke, Luke is huge in Florida. Luke was just in on Baron Browning in Texas, mm-hmm. right? Again, that's a position. It's a position thing. Are they yeah. in danger of losing Baron Browning at all, do you think? Because of Luke I leaving? think that they're not. I think I, they were very forthright. They were very – very, uh, from what I understand, upfront about it from okay. the beginning. So I think he, he kind of came to the realization that Ohio State was the place, knowing that there was a chance okay. that Luke would leave. Okay, <laughs> so let me here's the question that I teased earlier. I said I was going to ask you guys. If Luke Fickle has been the guy, and again, we're not saying we know this 100% for sure. This is the picture that's been painted to some degree. Luke Fickle is the guy that will bang the drum for the three-star development kid, especially an Ohio or close-by kid, Malik Hooker. From Western PA. Right. Darren Lee in Ohio. Millie Harrison in Ohio. Brendan White. Brendan White in Ohio. If Luke Fickle is a guy who banged the drum for those three-star kids, Tyvis Powell kind of kid, right? And we've seen enough examples where these kids have turned into really good players for them. Is Ohio State in danger of losing that when they lose the guy who's been a Buckeye for 20 years? Are they in danger of losing that and going all in on four-star and five-stars from all around the country if there's nobody in the room banging the drum for the three-star development kid from Ohio. So A, is there someone else who's going to bang that drum? B, is maybe a drum that doesn't need to be banged because Urban Meyer realizes it? Or C, would it maybe be okay if that happened and it means they just they take three, yep. two or three fewer three-star Ohio kids and they take more four-star kids from all over the country? That's hard. Do you think the drum will be banged? Do you think they'll continue to take I a don't. couple of Darren Lees? I don't. Directly because Luke is gone. Luke was here and they weren't doing it. 
I don't even know if you can count Brendan White. Can you count him? Why not? He's a he's upper-rated four-star. Okay. Yeah, he's he's yeah. Now the one that I think Luke Fickle was in on was Marquise Bell. If I think, let me look this up real quick. But Mar- Marquise Bell is a three-star athlete from New Jersey who has an offer, air quotes offer, that is considering Ohio State. He's a safety, but they think he could be a linebacker, kind of the same way that Brendan White could be a linebacker. And I think Luke Fickle was behind that recruit. Well, Malik Harrison's one of those guys. Right? Malik Harrison was last year. Right. The question is, moving forward, moving forward can they year. do it? I don't even know if you can make the argument that they're not even doing it this year because they have 22 spots and 18 commitments or 17 commitments with four or five more five-stars out there. Malik Harrison being a current linebacker, first-year linebacker who's redshirting, but was a, was a three-star kid. Local three-star kid who was kind of positionless. So I I, I think it's a, a very similar situation to Darren Lee. It was like Luke Fickle had to convince, I think, Urban Meyer a little bit that Malik Harrison was worth taking. And Greg Schiano is in on the marquee spell because he's from New Jersey. And I, I think Fickle is a part of it, but it's not listed, so I don't know for sure. But I don't know if it's a necessity anymore. Because it's like, Darren Lee was a great story. It makes your heart warm. You know, the underrated kid who comes here and goes to the NFL and proves everybody wrong. But if Darren Lee was just a five-star kid out of the gate who also went to the NFL, it's the same thing. So I think that Ohio State's recruiting more so than ever is at the high – it's at the peak that it's ever been. Six five-star recruits between 2012 and 2016, six this year, maybe seven. I think that that was going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit regardless just because of room. But I think it is a loss because Luke Fickle's not the only person on planet Earth who can judge a kid and say that kid's got potential. I think it's possible that Luke Fickle revolutionized the the recruit a safety and make him a linebacker idea. And I think that can still be taken on. I feel so like I'm kind of down is, the middle. This is our next podcast because I would, I would say – I'll tease it now. This is like in the next episode of Buckeye Talk. Here's the question I want to tease. Tell me if you think we should cover it in 30 seconds or in another hour-long podcast. Are you sure that you are a better program if you're getting all four- and five-star kids and you don't have any three-star, particularly Ohio, development kids? Can you get too national? Can you get too far to the point where you have a 24-man class and 20 of them need to be educated about the Ohio State-Michigan game because they didn't grow up with it. Is that possible? Or is it best player, best player, best player? I feel like that needs to be a longer podcast. Yeah. Next time on Buckeye Talk. Okay, for real. We'll do it next time on Buckeye Talk. I think I have my opinion on that. I think it is interesting. Um, do we have any questions worth getting to? Because I've had a lot of di- – sorry. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> Next <little> time. <laughs> tell me if you want, if you want. I have a lot of questions, so I don't know how much time we have, but I've got – Well, that's like an hour. Let's, I'll tell you what. We're going to put this up, and then we'll come back just in a couple days, maybe the next day. We'll come back with a new Buckeye Talk where we get to your questions and where we delve into the idea of is it all about best player, best player, best player, or do you need – some of these three-star Ohio kids to help keep the program grounded. Um, do we cover everything with the coaches that we wanted to cover? I have a question Yeah, that – and we, we just touched on it really, and I think we went pretty in-depth on it. But I'm just curious what your answers would be and if you think this is like way too loaded of a question that would require 30 more minutes of discussion. Uh, do you trust Urban Meyer to make the right hire to replace Luke Fickle? Based on what he's done. All the hires he's had to make since he's been at Ohio State. Yes, I do. Okay. I, what do you say? I think, yeah. I mean, I I think that the one 
questionable one was Beck, and I also get the idea. I would argue there were two. I don't think Stu Darwin's done a great job coaching the offensive line this year. And it's been one line, and he's got a true freshman. One year, and he's got a true freshman. Uh, I think there's been a drop-off in the offensive line coaching as well. Ed Warner's really good at that. Um, here's the thing. If you'll notice, the last couple hires, Greg Studrawa, New Urban from the Bowling Green days, friend. Greg Schiano, one of his best friends from going back 20 years as an assistant. Tony Alford played at Colorado State when Urban was an assistant there. Friend. Tom Herman, didn't know him. Chris Ash, didn't know him. Luke Fickle, didn't know him. I think it would be good if he hired a linebackers coach he didn't know. Now, of course, he didn't really – I don't think he knew Tim Beck necessarily either. But Ed Warner knew Tim Beck because Ed Warner and Tim Beck worked together at Kansas. Kansas. So um, when you're at Ohio State, you have – honestly, I think you have the ability to hire the best linebacker coach in America. I think you could go – I mean, he's rated Notre Dame staff how many times, Bill? Three. Warner, Tim Hinton, and, and Tony, Tony Alford all came straight from coaching the exact same position at Notre Dame. That's Notre Dame. So you should honestly be able to go any other than Alabama. You should be able to go to other any program in the country and take their linebackers coach. So I think you could say, who's the best linebackers coach in the country? Let's pay him $500,000 a year and get him here. By the way, Notre Dame's linebackers coach, and I have, I have no idea how good of a linebackers coach he is. His name is Mike Elston. He's from Ohio. He played in Michigan. He and he will have been hired by the time we post this podcast. Um, okay, that's it for Buckeye Talk. We'll be coming back maybe the next day, maybe two days from now with our next podcast about recruiting and building a program and do you go best player or do you save some room for these Ohio kids. Um, for now, you can find us always at cleveland.com slash OSU. For Bill Landis, for Ari Wasserman, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.